What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Dan Pavelli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Welcome to episode 14 of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Today I'm going to be doing a Clippers off-season preview. I'm going to be touching on the off-season to-do list, the different things to watch for this summer, and how it all could shake out. And before I get into that, I wanted to say, again, thank you to everyone. Uh, It was a great season, and I appreciate all the support I've gotten from you guys on Twitter, on Instagram, Um, you know, the the people commenting on the podcasts, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, I just really appreciate the support, and uh, I'm glad that I'm able to provide uh, some type of of podcast platform and, and service for you guys. Uh, Clipper fans out there, and, and I'm glad that you guys have enjoyed it so far. And it's going to be a busy summer, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thank you also to Blue Wire for giving me this opportunity to podcast and and have this platform. So uh, I'm going to continue to podcast every week uh, as news pops up. If it does, I will also react to that. And, and then around free agency and summer league, it should be a bit busier uh, as the Clippers potentially sign a max free agent or, you know, make a trade or do, do whatever they do this summer. Uh, I will be on top of all of that. So stay tuned. And uh, as of right now, though, it's going to continue every Tuesday uh, as, as usual. And uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how, what type of schedule I have during the off season with how hectic it's going to potentially be, but I should be having reaction podcasts to pretty much everything. So let's get into the off-season preview. Uh, the biggest thing, and this is no surprise, is going to be signing a superstar or two for the Clippers. Now, the Clippers have the potential to create the second most cap space this summer uh, behind the New York Knicks. The Clippers can create about $57.3 million in cap space, uh, according to the athletic CBA expert, Danny LaRue. Uh, you know, I've seen some places 57.5. So somewhere in that range of, uh, a, you know, a little over a shade over 57 million. And now that is a bit deceiving though. Uh, you, you, when you look at that figure, it, it's a giant number and you, you start thinking Kawhi and KD and, you know, or Kyrie or clay or, you know, this player and this player. That's deceiving because to get to 57 million, the Clippers would have to renounce the rights to all their free agents, which would include Patrick Beverly, uh, Jermichael Green, Avica Zubats, you know, Roddy Magruder, Garrett Temple, on and on and on. So while that is, is certainly possible, uh, especially if the, the Clippers get word that they can sign two max guys, uh, you know, the favorite would be or the favorite outcome would be Kawhi Leonard and, and Kevin Durant, but if, if Kyrie Irving is interested, if Klay Thompson's interested, they can get two of those guys, they're going to do it. 
and or you know I'd be, I'd be surprised if they didn't do it and, um so you know in that scenario I could see them renouncing most of those guys uh and and you know probably having to trade Danilo Gallinari uh or Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell uh, and that you know if you have to pick between those two th- those are two difficult decisions but you would probably lean towards trading Gallo versus Lou Antrez um you know for as good as Gallo was and I- I've said it on here before I-, I think he was the Clippers best player you know, best all-around player this season um, you know, even including when Tobias Harris, when Tobias Harris was on the team, I, I thought it, it's tough. I thought he was their best, pl- he was their best all-star candidate and, and their best offensive player, but overall all around player Gallo was their best player really throughout the whole season. Um, even better than Lou, you know, for as, as important as Lou was offensively and, and down the stretches of fourth quarters, Gallo really was their best, you know, two way all around player. Um, and, you know, and inherently, him starting um, for, for, you know, lose for all of lose success off the bench and in, in closing games, Gallo was very underrated in, in terms of closing games and his closing numbers. But on top of that, he was starting and, and doing that against starting units. And, and really the, the main focal point of that starting unit and keeping that, you know, keeping them engaged, keeping them in games early and, and then allowing Lou and Trez to do their thing off the bench. So, you know, Gallo has been, you know, it's probably the best player on the team this season. That being said, if you have the chance to bring in a Kevin Durant and a Kawhi Leonard or a Kawhi and a Kyrie, a Kawhi and a Clay, you do that. And if it's you know, the, co- the cost of doing business is Gallo, then, then you know, you, you got to trade Gallo. And there's going to be a lot of teams with cap space this summer, a lot of teams that are going to miss out on the top free agents, and a lot of teams will be looking for consolation prizes. And Danilo Gallinari on expiring deal, $22 million, that's a pretty good consolation prize. So I do think that the Clippers need to move him to get two stars, it is possible. Uh, but you know, w- when we talk about this fifty-seven million, though, we got to keep that in mind that it's 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 you know it's fifty-seven million if you're losing Patrick Beverly. It's fifty-seven million if you're losing Jermichael Green. A lot of fans want the Clippers to retain those guys. So really, the, the number we could be talking about is closer to thirty-five to forty million, which a, a max guy would take up most of that. Uh, the the seven to nine year max which would be the, the Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kyrie Irving max. That's about $32.7 million to start off. And then you have the KD max, which is 10 years and above, uh, which would start off at $38.15 million. So the Clippers will have, you know, in most scenarios, will have enough money to sign a max guy easily, comfortably, outright. Uh, it's, it's the additions beyond that. You know, are you keeping Zubats and Magruder? Are you retaining uh, Pat and Jermichael? Do you maybe bring back a Garrett Temple who, who fit well defensively with the second unit? Those are the tough decisions that the Clippers are going to have to make this summer. Uh, you know, and it's not that there is a scenario in which they get Kawhi Leonard, they keep Pat, they keep Jermichael and, and they add another nice piece to round out the bench and they head into next season, 10, 11 deep with a better second unit, uh, clearly a better starting unit with Kawhi there uh, who, you know, by the way, can we just talk about the playoffs Kawhi Leonard is having? Uh, like Kawhi, I mean, look, I think KD has actually established himself. You saw it in the Clippers series. You've seen what he's done against the Rockets in, in the second round. I think Kevin Durant is the best player in basketball right now. Uh, I, I've been saying for the past two, three years that I think he's the greatest scorer ever. Uh, you know, the greatest, just the greatest single offensive player we, we've ever seen. Uh, you know, the fact that he's 
basically for all intents and purposes, seven feet. Uh, and, you know, he's, you know, Kobe uh, has taught when Kobe talks about Tracy McGrady, he always says, you know, he always praises Tracy McGrady and says, you know, Tracy was the one guy that could do everything I could do, but he was six, eight, six, nine. And that's how I feel about Kevin Durant. You know, he, he, he does everything Kobe could do, but he's six, eleven, seven feet. And frankly, is, is just a better all around scorer than Kobe more efficient. Um, you know, if you don't like Kobe as the comparison, you could use Michael Jordan, who Steve Kerr has been bringing up lately, but like Kevin Durant is, is taken his, he's been an all world offensive player for basically a decade now, but really the, you know, these last, uh, you know, few weeks in golden state and this playoff run he's had in golden state the last three years has been really special. Uh, but this postseason in particular, Kevin Durant is just taking it to a different level. I think he's the best player in basketball. Now I think he's surpassed, you know, this version of LeBron. Obviously not peak LeBron, and LeBron just had a decade as the best basketball player. So I don't think it's ludicrous to say Kevin Durant's past him. But Kawhi Leonard's making a run for that, and uh, you know I think if you, if you're the Clipper, you know Kawhi's been balling out in you know in Toronto in the Orlando series, now in, in this Philly series, he's been a one man wrecking crew. He, he's destroyed Philly on both ends, uh, you know, offensively with, with how dominant he's been, but then defensively, whoever he's defending just isn't scoring against him. So. I think if you're the Clippers, if you can get either one of these two guys, it really is a win. You know, we're probably talking about two of the top five players in the league, if not potentially two of the the top three. Uh, Kawhi is the best two-way player in basketball, which is always a weird thing. Some people don't like that terminology of of two-way. I get it, but I guess guess the way I view uh, the the whole two-way argument is – if you're giving, you know, let's say you're, you're giving a guy a, a rating one through 10 on, you know, so, some guys are like a nine or a 10 just overall. And, and I think, you know, we, we tend to favor offense more. Uh, there, there's been some studies that show offense is the more important variable than, you know, compared to defense. So that's why a guy like James Harden is in the conversation, despite not being, um, you know, even an average or a mediocre defender. Uh, James Harden is in the conversation of best player. He's a top five, top six player because he's so good offensively. And he's, you know, right behind KD. It's it's probably Harden or Steph uh, Curry for, for second best offensive player in the league. So, you know, the, but if you were averaging, you know, a, a guy's offense of, you know, ability and, and their defensive ability, Kawhi's up there, you know, like Kawhi, Kawhi's a better defender than Kevin Durant. Kawhi's a better defender him versus Giannis is is been close this season, but I would still take Kawhi over Giannis. Uh, you take him over LeBron. You take him over Harden. You take him over Steph. So like those guys might be like nine point fives or, or tens offensively, and Kawhi's maybe like a nine or a nine point five. But defensively, he's like a nine point five or a ten, and some of those guys are like a five or or a six or a seven. So if you were combining, you know, someone's ability on the offensive end with their ability on the defensive end. And just average those out, like that. That's where I think that the two-way thing is is more important. Now, does that make you know? Does that big of a defensive gap between some of those guys and Kawhi mean Kawhi is the better overall player? I don't know. Maybe uh, I think we're we're gonna figure out. You know, in this postseason, do they beat? Uh, do the Raptors beat Philly? Do do they beat Milwaukee or Boston? Do they make the finals? How do they fare against the Warriors? Like, we'll see how how important and, and dominant Kawhi is the rest of the way, but. Up to this point, uh, he's he's establishing himself as probably a top three player in the league right now. You know, you could probably go him, uh, Giannis, and KD. Those are probably the three best players in the league right now. 
uh, I, I would say, you know, factoring in both sides of the basketball. So for the Clippers, if you could get either any of those two guys, uh, I, I think it's just so um, it's just such a unique and, and rare opportunity to get that caliber of player. Uh, if you could get both, look, like if the Clippers get both of them, I think they're probably the favorite in, in you know, in, in the league. Like you, you have, I mean, we, we just saw what happened. Golden State was a bit of a, an anomaly and they had just had so much talent, but you saw just the, you know, even when, when Clay, when Draymond dropped off a bit uh, after they added Kevin Durant and, and Clay can kind of fluctuate where he has some really quiet nights, you know, Clay for as good as he is, he, he does have a lot of these like, you know, eight point nights, 12 point nights, 14 point nights, which you wouldn't really expect of a, a score and shooter of his caliber. But you just saw the pure talent wise, having Steph Curry and Kevin Durant on the same team, it's really the best duo we've seen in the NBA since Kobe and Shaq. Like, you know, there, there was that time where you know, Kobe and Shaq were two of the three best players in the league or two of the five best players in the league, however you, you want to measure it. Uh, we really haven't seen that type of combination, you know, since, you know, since that. And even the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade had dropped off a bit. Maybe that first season, he was still a borderline top five player. Uh, that second season, he was still like a top 10 guy. But really from the, the third and fourth season, Dwayne Wade was not the same guy, was not, was not a top 10 guy anymore. Uh, and I, I just think we've not seen the level of talent of Steph and KD together since Kobe and Shaq. And Kawhi and KD would fit that. So if you're the Clippers and, and you have to lose some guys, you have to trade Daniel Gonnar, you have to lose Patrick Beverly in free agency, I think you have to do it for for uh, Kawhi and KD. Now, as far as who the Clippers are going to sign, I, I think Kawhi and KD are at the top of the list. I think Kyrie Irving and Klay Thompson will be three and four behind those two. And then I think there's a big drop-off. and. I think Jimmy Butler is probably the fifth guy. I think he makes sense on a on a two-year deal, maybe a three-year deal. But if you're the Clippers, I just don't think you could give this guy the four-year max. Uh, I think you, you've seen his locker room issues in the past three stops he's had in, in Chicago and in, in Minnesota and now in Philly. There's been locker room drama in all three stops, and he has been at the center of it. I don't know how much of that's his fault versus just the way he's a leader, the way he commands the locker room. And maybe guys just don't respond to that well and they leak that stuff. They, they tell reporters, uh, you know, or they, they tell the front office who then tells reporters. However, it breaks down. I just think that, the, you know, it, it is very concerning to me, especially for a team. I just wrote about this last week with the Clippers. They were a team who, who was team first all season. They have this great locker room culture. Uh, this selfless culture, you know, blue collar, hard nosed. It is a very delicate situation to bring a superstar into because, you know, the rallying cry for this Clippers team all season was no superstars, no egos. If you add a Kevin Durant, you add a Kyrie Irving, those guys are superstars. Those guys have massive egos. We've seen based on their comments in the media, based on the way they handle themselves. They're sensitive. They have egos, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm not saying you know that they should still sign those guys if they have that opportunity, but it, it will it will change the Clippers' identity to some extent. Now, Kawhi Leonard, I think would, would be the most seamless fit. I think he would just slide right in with the no ego. He is a superstar, or you know, 
superstar is such a, a amorphous term where, you know, I, I don't really know how many superstars in the league, like, you know, is superstar marketing thing, or is it like a, is it like a top five to seven player? I, I don't really know how we determine that. I think Kawhi's on that level. Maybe he's not because he's not as mark like, like Kyrie Irving is more marketable than Kawhi Leonard. Hands down. Like Kyrie Irving is probably the third or fourth most. If you're, if you're doing the most marketable, marketable NBA players, uh, I think it's, it's LeBron, it's KD, it's Steph. And then it's Kyrie's right there. You know, Kyrie or Russ, uh, maybe James Harden. Like those are the top five or six most marketable guys. But you have other guys like, uh, well, Giannis is becoming more marketable, but you have Anthony Davis, you have Kawhi Leonard, like those guys are not as marketable, but they're better than Russ, than Kyrie, uh, than, than even potentially James Harden. So I, I do think that I don't know what level Kawhi Leonard is on with the whole superstar thing, but he doesn't have a big ego, at least from everything that's ever been reported. And, you know, he's this mystery guy that we don't know that much about, but what we, the little we do know that is not a big thing for him. You know, he, he had that, his New Balance campaign where it was kind of centered around the, the fact that he doesn't really have a brand. He doesn't really have, uh, you know, an ego. He's not. He's not about the attention and the media and all that stuff. So I, I do in social media. I do think that Kawhi would fit in perfectly with with this Clippers culture, and maybe that maybe that vaults him ahead of Kevin Durant because to me. I, you know, like I just said, I think Kevin Durant's the best player in basketball. If I was doing it, you know, I'm going to eventually do a free agent rankings. I'm probably going to put Kevin Durant above Kawhi Leonard just because I think he's that transcendent of an offensive player. I think you put Kevin Durant on basically any team. That's why, like, if Kevin Durant wants to go to the Knicks, good for – like, the Knicks could win 50 games next season just by adding Kevin Durant. It would not surprise me. He's that good. Now, he's taken a step back a bit in the regular season with Golden State and just kind of been a little more deferential, not as aggressive, but – you see in the postseason when Kevin Durant puts his mind to it, no one can guard him. Uh, you know, you know, like the, even Patrick Beverly, who I, I thought defended him pretty well, Jermichael Green, who had his moments on him uh, in games four through six, uh, once the Clippers really put him prominently on KD. Like Kevin Durant's unguardable. There's no one in the league that, like, you know, pick your defender, Ka- Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, PJ Tucker, uh, Giannis, uh, go on and on down the list. No one can guard Kevin Durant. When Kevin Durant misses, it's because Kevin Durant misses. And to me, that, that's what makes him my number one guy. But in terms of culture and fit, like Kawhi probably is a better cultural fit than KD. So you could make the argument to me, and I would not disagree necessarily, that Kawhi should be the Clippers' top free agent target over even KD. And if both guys want to come and it comes down to an either-or situation, you should, you know, the Clippers should probably take Kawhi. Like I, I, I would buy that argument. Um, Jimmy in theory fits with the blue collar ethos of the locker room. Like I could see Jimmy and Pat Beverly getting along. I could see Jimmy and Lou Williams getting along, Jimmy and Trez, but at the same time he has come with, he does have baggage and, and he does, you know, like to stir things up. And I, I just, you know, for, for, I do get the sense that he has a bit of a superstar ego, except he try he tries to like hide it and deny it and, and, you know, say, but, but there is some superstar elements of him. There, there was that, you know, the, there was a lot of reporting when he was in Chicago that, you know, he didn't like sharing the, the limelight with Derek Rose and he felt he had surpassed him and it was better. Um, you know, in Minnesota, I, I it seemed like there, there were some issues with, there was a lot of issues with him in towns, but part of it, was maybe like the 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 cre- and now he's in Philly and he's not getting this. So I, I just I think Jimmy is a is you know and then you factor in the fact that he's he's twenty nine, uh you know he played all those years under Tom Thibodeau, 
And I just, to me, there's a lot of red flags with Jimmy Butler. I would be very scared to give him a four-year max. I'd probably even be scared to give him a three-year max. Two-year max, you could talk me into. I think the ideal situation for the Clippers with Jimmy would be getting a, a KD, a Kawhi, or a Kyrie as the primary addition, getting Jimmy as the secondary guy. And then maybe, if you're getting him as a secondary guy, maybe you could go three years. But I, I think for the Clippers to make Jimmy Butler their their primary addition, that would probably be a mistake. And I just don't think that that I just don't think that would be a wise thing to do. Uh, after Jimmy, you get into the Chris Middletons, the the Nick Vuceviches, Kemba Walker, who I, I really like Kemba, and, and he's someone that I'm not a big fan of small guards personally. And it takes me a while to you know even someone like Dame Lillard, it, it took me a little bit longer to really appreciate and admit how good he was. Uh, but Kemba, for as good as he is, and I think he's really taken his game to another level the past couple of years, uh, I thought he was always a, a fringe, at best, all-star candidate. He's established himself as not only an all-star, but you know a, a borderline all-NBA guy, which is a different stratosphere than all-star. You know, that, that's, that's whittling it down from 24 to 15 and, and really whittling it down from you know, 10 to the top 10 to 12 guards to the top six guards. So he's, he's taken his game to a different level. I, and I will give him credit for that. That being said, for him to be, you know, leading now, and I, I know there's a lot, you know, Charlotte uh, had injury problems and they, they have a lot of bad contracts and, and you can put a lot of that on, on ownership and management and the way they've managed that whole situation. That's not necessarily all on Kemba Walker, but that being said, the fact that he could not get them into the playoffs, uh, you know, w- with as weak as this playoff picture was in the East, uh, you know, towards the bottom, um, y- you know, I just, t- to me, I would not feel comfortable making him my, my franchise leader. And frankly, I, I think he's a borderline number two. I mean, I guess if you're, if you're bringing in Kawhi, if you're bringing in KD, you know, you could attach Kemba. Obviously, if you're getting Kyrie, you, you shouldn't bring him, but to me, I, I just I would not feel great about paying Kemba Walker the max. Uh, I get why some teams would, but I think the Clippers are trying to avoid. They're trying to avoid paying a Kemba Walker, a, a Chris Middleton, a Nick Vucevic, because look at look at the guys they traded. Like Blake Griffin's better than all three of those guys, e- even back then. And, and now he's obviously you know found his refound his groove in, in Detroit and taken his game to, to probably a career best level, but. They did not. They didn't want to attach the, you know, hitch their wagon to Blake Griffin, who really was the guy who started all of this. You know, he started the Clipper Renaissance. He turned the franchise around almost single-handedly with how how good of a talent he was. You know, he was able to attract Chris Paul to that situation. Uh, you know, there was not a lot. You know, besides the LA market, there was not a lot uh, that was attractive about the Clippers in 2011 when. You know when uh, when Chris Paul agreed to come after uh, the, the Lakers trade was was vetoed. It really was Blake Griffin, like you know, and, and DeAndre I guess was also interesting, and they ended up trading Eric Gordon, so he would have been an interesting piece that that you know obviously got traded for Chris Paul. But like there wasn't a lot there with the Clippers at that time besides Blake Griffin. So for Blake Griffin is is probably the uh, up to this point the most important Clipper in, in franchise history, and the Clippers still turned him down and traded him because they did not want to be in a mediocre situation building around a guy they didn't think could could take them, you know, could could lead a contending team 
for years to come. Now, Tobias Harris was it was a you know different level was not at that Blake Griffin level, but sim, you know similar to a, a Chris Middleton, similar to a Nick Vucevic, uh, I would say a little bit behind Kemba. But they didn't want to. They didn't want to have Tobias as their primary guy. They didn't even necessarily want him as their second guy. So, to me, I just don't see any scenario in which the Clippers, you know, pay all this money to a crit. You know, so if they strike out in the top four or five guys, uh, maybe you throw Jimmy in there. I, I probably wouldn't, but you know, it sounds. It seems like to me there is some smoke with that of of Jimmy might be in the mix. So let's put Jimmy in the mix. You know, those five guys. After that. Uh, it gets kind of, you know, there's still a lot of talent, but I just don't see the Clippers adding any of those guys as, as primary additions, maybe as a secondary addition. So maybe, again, maybe you get Kawhi or KD, then you get you add Vucevic, or then you add Middleton, or, or then you add Kemba, and then you get into the whole, you know, does Kemba even fit with, with Shea and Landry? Uh, does Kyrie even fit with, with, with Shea and Landry? I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but um, I think if you could get, if you could get Kyrie, you, you figure it out later. Uh, you know, I think he's that good of a talent. He's a, to me, a top 10, 11 player in the league um, in, in, in terms of closing and, and just uh, offensive ability. He's in that top probably four, maybe top five um, of, of offensive guys on that level. So to me, like Kyrie is worth figuring out, you know, are we now bringing Shea off the bench? Are we bringing Landry off the bench? How are we figuring this out? Um, I, I don't, you know, and maybe you, you just put Kyrie in the pat role and move Shea or Shamit to the three defensively. And then you're, you're starting, you know, three small guards again, kind of, but uh, you know, Kyrie is an obvious upgrade on, on Pat, you know, considerably on the offensive end defensively now, but I think, but to me, the, you know, the, the main domino of the Clippers off season is going to be the superstar. Uh, you know, who do they sign? Uh, who comes with, that you know, is it is it a Kawhi KD package? Is it one of those two guys? Is it you know one of those guys in Kyrie? Is it one of those guys in Clay? Uh, just today, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported that uh, he thinks if he or he's hearing that if Clay leaves the Warriors, if the Warriors don't offer Clay the the full max that they can offer him, uh, he will consider going to LA, but not in the way that most people would assume, which would be the Lakers, given his, his dad, Michael Thompson, played for the Lakers for, for many years in the, in the Showtime 80s, he would actually consider the Clippers. And I don't know what the MO behind that is. Um, you know, I, I don't really know why Clay would consider the Clippers over the Lakers, given his dad's ties. And and I mean, I think I think Clay is the type of guy that would fit perfectly with LeBron. Uh, you, you want a big wing who could kind of step in and, and, you know, take the biggest assignment and, and take, you know, so LeBron doesn't have to guard that guy. And then offensively, you know, he's a perfect fit with LeBron, a, an elite shooter, uh, maybe the best shooter in the game outside of Steph, but you know, probably is. So I, w- I would, you know, th- but that that's the thing. Maybe, maybe Clay Thompson comes to the Clippers. So that to me is going to determine everything. And I, I think I will get into it more when I do my free agent rankings. But as of right now, uh, that is how I'm, you know, uh, that is how I'm kind of ranking them. For for me right now, it would be Katie one, Kawhi two, Kyrie three, Clay four, and Jimmy five. The, those are the top five. Uh, outside of that, it, it, I don't. I, I mean, I guess Kemba six, uh, Chris Middleton seven, and I'd actually go with Al Horford eight. 
if he opts out of his player option and wants a longer term deal with more security, probably actually Marcus Sol nine and Nick Vuce, uh, Nick Vucevic ten. Uh, you know, I, I think Horford and Gasol could be potentially had. Uh, you know, if those situations blow up in Boston, Toronto, if Kawhi leaves Toronto, uh, if Kyrie leaves Boston, I could see those guys opting out. And well, I guess they have to opt out before then. So if they get that inkling that they think those guys are gone, uh, they could opt out and, and prefer a longer term deal at a cheaper rate. And I, I think if you're the Clippers, you might prefer two years of Al Horford to three or four years of Nick Vucevic uh, if you get the first star. So that is my breakdown of the 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 superstar dynamic. Uh, you know, the, the Clippers are gonna have to juggle their cap space carefully, but you know they should at the least um, have enough money to sign one of those guys outright. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll renounce. Uh, they'll probably renounce Wilson Chandler. They might renounce Garrett Temple. Um, and you know, they, they might even renounce Jermichael Green. He, he has a really, really high cap hold. Uh, I think it's almost 15 million. So they should have enough cap space to get one of those guys, but to get the second, they will have to do some cap gymnastics, uh, and it might cost them Pat Beverly and Jermichael Green, potentially even Evita Zubats, depending on the type of offers he gets. But, uh, we will be right back. I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll get to the rest of the off season. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's brought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. So I, I touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I think that the second main thing of this offseason is going to be what happens with Danilo Gallinari. Uh, I think if the Clippers, if the Clippers get the, you know, if they need that second max slot, they're probably going to have to trade Gallo. Uh, and even if they don't, though, they might just prefer to trade him to keep Pat and, and Jermichael and, and then have some cap space left over to add another piece. And again, this is assuming they get a star. I think if they don't get a star, they're probably just going to keep Gallo, barring a, a great trade uh, offer back for him. But in, in the scenario that they get Katie or Kawhi or, or Clay or Kyrie, whoever, I, I think they would. They, 
they would for sure trade Gallo if they can get the second guy. If they can't get the second guy, they still might trade Gallo again for just roster depth and and you know maybe a better fit. It's unclear. Like depending on the guy, it, it, I'm not sure how they would fit with Gallo. I mean, Gallo Gallo is good enough to to kind of you know I could see him fitting with KD. I could sit, see him fitting with Kawhi. Uh, Clay really wouldn't affect things, and Kyrie uh, I think would would probably love to play with Gallo. They could run the pick and roll together, but. I would say it really comes down to the, the Gallo thing is probably close to 50-50. I might even go a little bit higher, maybe 55-60% that he gets traded. Uh, I, I know there are a lot of fans that were hard on him on, on the playoff run. Uh, I wrote something about it. And look, like I think at the end of the day, Danilo Gallinari is a really good player. He is an all-NBA candidate. He was a top 30 player this season. Again, he was the Clippers' best player this season. But he's not a number one option. He's not really a number two option either. He's best suited as a number three, maybe even a number four, but but probably number three is fine. Uh, and, and that's where, like, you know, look, if, if you if you're the Clippers and you add Kawhi and KD, having Gallo as your number three is great. If you add Kawhi and Clay, having Gallo as your number three or Kawhi and Kyrie, Gallo number three, great, potentially even overqualified. But having him even as your number two, I, I just don't know. I mean, definitely not number one, and I think that was shown in the Golden State series. But even number two, I'm not as as confident in. But I just think, you know, he's an expiring deal. There's gonna be a lot of a lot of of teams that are gonna strike out for agency. There's 12 teams who are projected to have 20 or more million in cap space. Of those 12, maybe three or four of them get a max guy. Like, you know, maybe five, but it's it's not gonna be more than five, and or, you know, look, some of them might just max guys out because they, they have to max guys out. But I think if you're looking at the, the top few guys, like there's a scenario in which Kevin Durant stays in Golden State. There's a scenario in which Kyrie Irving stays in Boston. There's a scenario in which Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto. Uh, Clay Thompson probably will stay in Golden State. Jimmy Butler could stay in Philly or could go, you know, elsewhere, or whatever. But there's going to be a lot of teams striking out in free agency. And I think if, if the Clippers get their one star, then there's a desperate team looking to, you know, like a, a, a Sacramento or a, a Dallas or an Indiana who's looking to add a, a central offensive piece. Like Daniel Gonardi is better than Harrison Barnes. It would be a ma- major upgrade uh, for the Kings there. Like, you know, the, the, the Mavericks could use Gallo uh, with Luca and, and Porzingis. Uh, the, the Pacers could definitely use Gallo. You know, I think he'd fit great there. So, I, I do think that there are going to be a lot of teams who are going to be desperate. We're going to see his expiring deal. Getting a guy like Gallo at that price on an expiring deal is rare. He's coming off a career year. I, I just think that you know there's going to be a lot of suitors for him. And if the Clippers need to move him, they can. It's just a matter of if they want to. Now, plan B for the Clippers. Uh, I kind of touched on it a little bit with, with the free agent rankings, but there's kind of this misconception with the Clippers where if they strike out, it's a failed season, or I mean, it's a failed summer, failed off season. Uh, they have all this pressure, and I completely reject that premise. I, I could not disagree more. Uh, the Clippers did not expect to be in this scenario when they traded Blake Griffin. Uh, you know, they were entertaining the possibility of, of having cap space in 2019, but it was far from a certainty. Uh, that there was a lot of moving parts, and you know from the, the great job the front office has done trading Blake Griffin, 
uh, signing Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell to team-friendly below-market contracts, which there's really no other way to spin it, uh, and then trading Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley at the trade deadline and doing the moves that they made, now they have the 50-plus million in cap space. And now they are well-equipped to not only sign one star, but potentially sign two stars or at least comfortably add a a second guy you know, at, at the mid-level or just 10 to 15 million cap space, depending on, on how uh, things play out. But if the Clippers do not get their guy, they, you know, like I said, Kawhi, Kawhi goes, you know, Kawhi stays or he goes to the Lakers or KD stays or he goes to the Knicks or same thing with Kyrie. Jimmy Butler stays in Philly or he goes to the Lakers or somewhere else. Maybe he goes to the Knicks. The, the, the Clippers are going to stand pat. They're going to roll over their cap space to 2020, even 2021 and 2022. They're going to be patient and they're going to look, they're going to look to potentially trade for a star that they have the assets. So there is a scenario in which, um, you know, they they could trade for Anthony Davis. They could trade for Bradley Beal. If Damian Lillard, for whatever reason, gets upset in Portland, they could trade for him. The, The next disgruntled star the Clippers are very well equipped. I think outside of the Boston Celtics, they have the best trade package available. They got to be careful with that. You don't want to give up too much of your assets and kind of deplete the asset cupboard to bring a guy in. That's why uh, part of me thinks that they'd be better off waiting to try and sign Anthony Davis versus trading for him. Just because if you trade Shea and Trez and the Miami pick and something else for Anthony Davis, which is what I would assume the Pelicans would want, you know, now what are you bringing Anthony Davis into? Well, I guess if Gallo's still there, if Lou's still there, you know, you do Landry's still there, you do have some pieces, but I, I do think an ideal scenario, you're at like if you sign KD or Kawhi, you're adding them to this core and potentially even keeping Pat and Jermichael. Uh, in the scenario you trade for Anthony Davis, you're, you're just depleting a lot of your core, you know, taking away a Shea, a Trez, and probably someone else, uh, you know, maybe even Jerome. And, and on top of that, the Miami pick, and that's all to bring a guy in. And, and now you're not as strong as you were versus just signing a guy and, and still having all those assets. So I, I do think for the Clippers, they could trade for a guy. Uh, they could wait till 2020 is not a good Frasian class outside of Anthony Davis. So they could roll things over to 2021 and 2022, which, which is maybe where it comes in. They, they bring back the most of the same team. They sign a Chris Middleton. They sign a, a Nick Vucevic. Uh, they they sign a Kemba, you know, they, they give some type of all-star level player a two or three year max that maybe he wasn't going to get from his team. And they try to basically have, you know, run it back with the same core, similar core, maybe add a little bit to it in the short term for a couple of years. Then in 2021 or 2022, uh, you know, go be aggressive. And in the meantime, explore trades, see, see who you can move, uh, continue to to shuffle the deck a bit. And I think for them, you know, there's a there's always pressure from the outside, and and fans now have these high expectations because Clippers have been linked to a star really all season. Then they overachieve, and it's like, well, you know, whatever our pitch was in, in September, it's got to be stronger now. Like we we won 48 games, and our young guys look good, and we have these draft picks, and we just took the Warriors to six games. Like the Clippers' fragrant pitch is at an all time high, but that doesn't mean they're going to get someone. And if they don't get someone, the mistake would be them going and, and you know, trading all your assets to, to get a star or signing a, a, you know, go out and sign Kemba Walker to the four-year max or, or Chris Middleton and, 
and you know try to convince yourself that that guy's going to take them to the next level. That's that's not going to happen. And I think this this Clippers front office has shown that when it really comes down to it, they favor what's best for the the you know the sustainable future of this team, even if it's not a popular decision. And I think that for you know for them to have the guts to trade Blake Griffin and to trade Tobias Harris in the manner that they did when you know they did get backlash and, and there are I love the argument some it's usually from Laker fans but but some people I, I see make this argument on, on Twitter where they're like well if I was a star why would I sign with the Clippers like they, they traded Blake Griffin and, and they traded Tobias like you know I would why would I trust that they're not gonna trade me I mean it, look if the Clippers signed Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard they're not trading them like they're signing that guy for to be their 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 superstar for the next four years they're building around that guy those guys are on a different level than Blake Griffin and Tobias Harris. And, and really what the Clippers did in both scenarios was deem that those guys weren't at that level of a Kawhi or a KD. Uh, Blake was obviously a unique situation. There, there was a lot there. There was a lot of baggage. Uh, and I, I think both both uh, parties needed a fresh start. With Tobias, they just said, look, we're not going to pay this guy the max this summer. Uh, and you know, instead of letting him walk and just losing an asset for nothing, let's flip this asset for something. And they got back Landry Shamit and the Miami pick and the Philly pick and Mike Muscala, who they flipped for Evita Zubat. So the Clippers, you know, th- that argument doesn't make sense. If you're making that argument, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but I think the, the Clippers have shown that they, they do operate with a business-like mentality where they're not always going to make the popular decision. They're not always going to base things on, you know, uh, they're not always going to be sentimental and, and really base things on emotion or necessarily even you know what the fans want it's ultimately what what they think is best for the franchise long term so to me i do not see them you know uh signing a a below max player to a max deal Uh, i'd be shocked uh the the you know the next part of their offseason is they're going to be juggling they're going to be juggling a lot of of (laughs) i was going to say free agent balls but that that sounds kind of funny uh, there's gonna, but they are gonna be juggling a, a few things in the air at the same time because, you know, while they're pitching these star free agents, they they gotta handle their own free agents, and you don't want, uh, you, you don't want to upset uh, Pat Beverly or Jermichael Green or Vita Zubats and let those guys leave, you know, while you're trying to get a star, and then you get the star, but now you don't have the depth. Or you don't get the star, and now you just lost those assets. So they really have to be careful. Uh, I, I think they're going to extend the qualifying offer to Evita Zubats and Rodney Magruder. Uh, and, and then it's on those guys. Do they accept that offer sheet? And then if not, the Clippers can either resign them because they extended the offer sheet, uh, match their offer sheet from another team, or just let them leave in free agency. And then you have the, the real free agents, which are Pat Beverly, Jamichael Green, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler. Uh, they can resign those guys or rena- renounce their rights to take them off of their cap sheet. And if they do, they can still resign them, but they can only resign them with their remaining cap space, which makes it less likely, especially if they got a star. So, uh, but those guys also have major cap holds. I think Wilson Chandler's cap holds over 19 million. Scopers are going to re- renounce him right away. Uh, Garrett Temples is around like four, 13, 14 million, I think. Uh, would not surprise me if they announced him. Uh, Jamichael and Pat are tough. Pat's a 9.5 million. Jamichael's 14.6, I think. Uh, 
I don't think the Clippers would offer either of those guys starting contracts at that level. Maybe Pat around 9.5, but that's probably on the high end. Uh, so Jermichael, you know, I think the Clippers are going to try to sign him quickly, maybe to some something in the six to eight million range, maybe a two-year, two twelve million, two-year, fourteen million, uh, something like that. And if he doesn't accept that, they'll probably have to renounce him, and and then it's you know he might potentially walk. Uh, with Pat, I, I think they'll they're going to prioritize him a little bit more just because of how important he is to the locker room uh, and, and just the, the fan connection and the culture of the Clippers. But that being said, it's going to come down to how much money does Pat want? How patient is he going to be? Um, and is he, you know, is he going to be offended by them prioritizing a, a uh, you know, a, a star most likely over him? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. But uh, and then you, you also have the non-guaranteed deals of Cinderia Stormwell and Tyrone Wallace. And, uh, you know, those two guys you know, they're very cheap and, and they're on value deals for how much money they're making, but neither guy can shoot. And, you know, Rodney Magruder is a better shooter than both of them. He has a similar role, I would say more to sin than, than Ty, but, you know, he he's going to be their competition relatively for that backup two, three spot, like the 10th, 11th, 12th guy on the roster. And though he does make a little bit more money than both of them, He's a better and, and more proven player up to this point. He's a better shooter. Uh, and I, I just wonder if his presence makes one, if not both of them, potentially expendable. But I do expect the Clippers to re-sign Zubots. I think they'll probably keep Magruder, uh, though you know they're going to evaluate him the next six to eight weeks or so and decide on that. I do expect them to keep him. Uh, I think they're going to try and keep Pat and, and Jermichael though that will probably come down to money more than any, money and timing. It's going to be a very delicate balance for them. Uh, Garrett, I, I think is probably 50-50, though he does play the same position as Landry and Jerome. So I, I think there's just an upside. You know, th- there's a there's a limit to his role. And, and I, I think, especially if you're adding now a star wing, potentially, uh, you know, there's only so many minutes at the two and the three, and, and Garrett might just be a casualty of that. Uh, you know, unless they want to just play him exclusively at the backup three. But so Garrett, I'd say is probably around 50-50. Wilson, I'd be shocked if he comes back. I just don't really, you know, especially with them potentially bringing in a star wing. Uh, Jermichael is already the backup five. Like Wilson did not play that well. I'd be shocked if Wilson uh, is brought back at all. And then the final thing for me, uh, you know, to wrap this all up, I think the three areas the Clippers need to focus on outside of just adding a star and, and trying to retain some of their free agents are perimeter size, perimeter defense, and, and more three-point shooting. The Clippers were a very undersized perimeter team this season, uh, even before their trades, but especially after their trades. I mean, they were starting uh, Pat, Landry, and, and uh, Shea, who, you know, Pat for all really was the, you know, if you want to get technical about it, he was their small forward. Like Shea was the point guard. Landry was the two. Pat was the three. He was a six foot one small forward. Uh, they relied heavily on, on Lou and Pat, both guys, six one uh, to close games, to, to play defense against much bigger players. Uh, you know, Landry six fives. It's a solid size for a shooting guard. It's maybe a little bit undersized, but, but I would say around average. Uh, and then, you know, you also had Garrett Temple at 6'6", playing a lot at three. So 
The Clippers technically didn't have a small forward on this on their roster. Doc talked about it multiple times. Uh, like Garrett's more of a two. Uh, Pat, though he was playing a three, technically, you know, he is more of a one or or maybe a two. Wilson is a four. Luke Mwamute, who people might point to, he's also a four. He'd played almost exclusively four and five in Houston. You know, his days of, of being a small forward were, were done. Uh, you know, and the Clippers sometimes had to play. You know, well, Gallo pretty much only played four, but sometimes played Jermichael Green at the three, which, you know, he's more of a five than a three. So the Clippers really got to resolve that, you know, small forward issue. Now getting a Kawhi Leonard or a Kevin Durant or Jimmy Butler, that resolves it. Um, so so maybe it's just that simple. But even with the second unit, I, I think they, they need a clear cut six, seven, six, eight small forward and, and just kind of add that guy uh, outside of Shea their perimeter guys were always at a size disadvantage, especially having a guy like Lou who's so bad defensively and is only six foot one. It's not like, like Steph Curry for uh, Steph Curry's an underrated defender. And I think he's become, uh, you know, competent. Uh, but even when he wasn't, you know, he, Steph Curry, six, three, six, four, like Steph Curry has long arms and, and he can move his feet. Well, he can bother you a little bit. You know, Lou Williams is six foot one, and, you know, even for, for as small as Steph is, he's got a good 20 to 30 pounds on Lou. So Lou just gets, you know, as long as Lou is prominently featured in the rotation, which I think will be for as long as he's on the Clippers, like the Clippers need to put a lot of size and defensive um, acumen around him j- just to kind of make up for him, especially on the second unit, which which gets to kind of the, the next point, which which is just better perimeter defense outside of. Pep Everly and Garrett Temple, the Clippers didn't really have a, you know much plus defensive talent, especially on the perimeter. And you know Landry stepped up, defended Steph and Clay in the playoffs, and did a really nice job. But before that point, had not really played great defense. Uh, Shea had his moments here and there where he, he'd play really good defense, be really locked in, but he'd also float a lot during games, and, and that really frustrated Doc. So for the Clippers, they're gonna need to. I, I think you know if you're looking at Adding, let's say they add Kawhi. That's the guy they're most linked to. That's probably the most likely. So you you, you keep Zoo and Pat and, and Jermichael. Now your starting lineup is, is Zubots. Uh, in this scenario, they're keeping Gallo. So Zubots, Gallo, Kawhi, Landry, and Shea. You move Pat to the bench. Now you have Pat, Lou, Jermichael, and Trez as that's your top nine. You want that last, the you know, that small forward on the second unit, the 10th guy, ninth or 10th guy to be a three and D guy. You know, you want a bigger guy, six, seven, six, eight, who can shoot threes. Now those guys don't grow on trees. So, you know, it could be wishful thinking, but I really think that that's the type of guy, the Clippers that would fit perfectly. Maybe you just bring back Garrett. Uh, maybe Jerome grows into that role, at least where he shoots the ball well enough to play more. But I do think that the Clippers need to find that type of type of guy. Uh, and then, you know, that goes into the shooting, which uh, I think, you know, Landry and Gallo are elite shooters. Beverly is right at that, you know, right at that level, maybe a little bit below it. Uh, and Jermichael actually became you know, pretty much on that level uh, since he, you know, arrived in LA. Now with him, there, there's not much of a sample size of him shooting at this type of level. So maybe, maybe there's a bit of fool's gold. I don't know how sustainable it is. We'll, we'll see next season, wherever he is. Uh, how he shoots the ball. Shea improved as a shooter, and, and him and Lou were about league average, maybe slightly above league average as three-point shooters. 
the Clippers overall need to take more threes, and I think this it really held them back offensively. But I, I think they could use another shooter or two. Again, maybe Jerome steps up and, and he's in that role. Uh, and you know, adding a Kawhi or a KD or, or a Kyrie will help plug that with, with another really good shooter. But I do think overall, especially for the bench, they could use a little more shooting. And that's maybe where you see Ty or Sin end up getting cut for another shooter. Because uh, the Clippers can, you know, they do have a lot of open spots. But if you, you know, you, you have Zoo and Gallo and, and let's say Kawhi, um, Landry and Shea, then you have Pat and Lou, uh, Roddy Magruder, Jermichael and Trez. That's your second unit temporarily. You know, you still have Ty and Jerome and Sin right there. You're at 13 guys. And that that's with only bringing back, you know, four free agents uh, and, and letting Garrett and Wilson walk. They also have two second round picks, the number 48 and 40, uh, 56 pick. Maybe they find a, a gem in, with one of those picks. It's unlikely. This is a very top heavy draft, according to most draft experts. But I, I think if you're the Clippers, um, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, especially with your own free agents. But you're in a really good spot. And, and the Clippers did not expect to be here. Uh, but if they add a superstar to and, and, you know, take the next step as an organization, becoming a contender, becoming one of the favorites in the West, uh, I think this is one of the quickest and most impressive rebuilds, uh, you know, we've ever seen. And, and especially in the modern era, like if, if they get Kawhi and KD, like that, that is the most impressive rebuild and, and the quickest really in, in two years. Uh, but even if they don't and they only get one of those guys uh, or, or let's say they, they miss out and then they eventually trade like the Clippers. I think what they've been able to pull off the last two years is, is so impressive. You got to give props to Steve Ballmer, to Doc Rivers, to the front office, uh, you know, Lawrence Frank, Michael Winger, Jerry West, uh, Trent Redden, uh, Mark Hughes, like all those guys, you know, the, the job that they've, they've done the last two years, it's just so impressive. And, you know, I, I don't, even, you know, I don't mean to sound like a homer saying that, but, you know, it's not just, it's not just like the Clippers verse that, that thinks that it's really across the league. Like if you look at, you know, pretty much every trade grade that the Clippers have made in the last two years, it's all been A's and B's. Like the Clippers have not really made a bad trade, a bad signing. Even Daniel Gallinari, I've said this before, Daniel Gallinari was the one signing I, I thought, you know, looking at the way he was last season when he only put 21 games, it was really a sunk cost. That was probably their lone mistake. And then look at how well he played this season and how good he took a career year. And now they might be able to flip him to sign a second guy or, or just for some assets. So I think they, they you know, I, I keep saying, you know, keep using this analogy. The front office, you know, if, if it's a baseball analogy, the front office keeps hitting singles and, and doubles. And they've had some triples and they've had a couple home runs, but they really haven't struck out much, if at all. So you know, we'll see how long they continue that that streak going. Um, this offseason will, will tell us a lot about the the organization and, and the future and, you know, kind of their, their thought process behind everything. But I do think that the, you know, the, the Clippers are in a really good standing around the league for the first time probably ever. Uh, even during the Lob City era, I thought that was more about the players and, and Doc than it was about the front office, the culture, the organization. They finally built that, and I think they're in a great spot to add someone. Uh, whether that happens or not, we shall see in a couple months. Uh, but in, in the meantime, I think you know the the overarching 
themes and uh, objectives and you know to-do lists for the Clippers will revolve around a superstar, but also kind of the the contingency after that. Do they trade Gallo? Which free agents do they keep? Uh, you know, do they get the second guy? Uh, do they, you know, do they have to go to plan B where they, they maybe hold off and, and kind of roll back the same team? Uh, do they add the shooting and, and size and depth that, that I think they need to be a better, better team heading into the next season? Uh, we'll know in, in a couple months, but uh, thank you as always for listening to this week's episode. Uh, if you have any feedback for me, reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. You can follow me and, and read my work at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com, download the app, subscribe for a one-week free trial. Check it out. If you don't like it, you can cancel. If you like it, you can keep subscribing for the price of a cup of coffee. And most importantly, subscribe to the Clip City Podcast on Blue Wire. You can search Clip City or Blue Wire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to rate and review us. Five-star reviews. Glowing, loving comments. I appreciate it all. And I thank you guys for listening. I will be back next week, barring some crazy news over the next seven days. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday uh, to talk more. See you guys then. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.